Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 44 through 49. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. And let us hear God's word this morning. Uh, you can find it if you have your Bible or on our church app. We have a Bible uh, on there as well, and it'll be on the screens as well. Let us hear God's word. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. And then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the inspiration of it. And now, Lord, we pray that it will speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way that we will be challenged, changed, and never get over it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, uh, we are continuing in our series called Side Effects, and uh, of course we know that there are some uh, bad side effects, like we talked, I think I jinxed myself with the diarrhea quote in the video because uh, we traveled the other, and I, there's this thing called traveling diarrhea, well, I'll just leave it at that, but anyway, um, but we know that certain uh, things have bad side effects and, and all, and, and different things that, that can happen with that, but we are talking about the good side effects of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, being a follower of Jesus. Of course, the main benefit, of course, is to be a part of his salvation plan to get to go to heaven and not only have power in heaven, I mean, not only be able to enjoy heaven and eternity in heaven with him forever, but to also have his presence with us here and now. So that's like the main event. That's the main thing that we get to have as being part of salvation. But there are certain side effects that should go along. In fact, if they're not going along with it, if we're not seeing these side effects in our lives, we really need to be asking ourselves, am I living out the life of a disciple? And so there's certain things that should be going. Now, the first week, y'all talked about prayers and talked about how prayer is not just talking to God, but it's also listening. It's a two-way conversation and that we need to spend as much time listening to God as we do talking to God. And then we talked about... Uh, Pastor Kim last week talked about presence and how we are to be present, not just being present and worship and concentrating on worshiping God when we're here, but also to be present.
presence to be salt and light in the world, that we should be a presence in the world for Jesus. And I'm going to kind of tag on to that a little bit, both of those, uh, this morning as we talk about the next one. Now, we're talking about side effects, and they are also known as our discipleship vows. In other words, when somebody joins the church, we take this vow to uh, serve God or to live for God and to commit to uh, the church through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and witness. And I'm actually going to talk about witness today. That's what I want to talk about is our witness today, being a witness for Jesus Christ. And, and, and you know, this should be a part of who we are. Bringing others to, to Christ should be a part of who we are, whether we're inviting them to church, whether we're telling them about Jesus, whether we're praying for them and, and, and seeing God work in their life and all of those things. There was a statistic that was out a, a while back that actually said that 95% of Christians have never led someone to Christ. And I don't know for sure if that was just talking about, like, said the prayer, the salvation prayer with somebody to lead them to Christ. But anyway, it is a challenge for all of us to play a part in leading somebody to Christ. Listen, you're here today because of somebody leading you, because of somebody inviting you, because of somebody having an effect in your life or doing something in your life to help bring you to Christ. And so uh, we all have that uh, someone that's working, that God has used in that way, and that we need to be the people that God's using in other folks' lives to do that. Listen, here's what Jesus says to his disciples. He's about to ascend into heaven, and this is like his last thing that he says, Luke's version and the first of Acts, because Acts, remember, is like Luke part two, the gospel of Luke part two. But Luke ends his gospel with saying this in verses 46 and 40, through 48. Jesus says, and he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Now, that word preach it actually is proclaim. In other words, it's not just what the preacher does on Sunday morning. It's what we all should be doing. We all should be proclaiming his name to people, proclaiming the good news of Jesus to others. In other words, telling others about Jesus. And, and, and then he says, preached in his name to all nations. Nations, listen, this was before the modern day nation state. And when they use nation in the Bible, they're talking about different people groups. In other words, all people, not just some people, not just people that look like us, act like us, vote like us, that kind of thing, but all people. And that, that we are, and then he says this, beginning at Jerusalem, that's where it kind of started. And then you are witnesses of these things. In other words, you, disciples. He's talking to disciples. We are disciples. You are to be witnesses of these things. We are to be witnesses for him. So that repentance and remissions of sins can be proclaimed, we are called to be his witness. So I want to talk to you this morning. I just want to give you some practical ways. I mean, this isn't like really high theological stuff this morning, whatever. And all. I like to just kind of keep it simple anyway. But uh, these are just some practical ways that can help us to be his witness. Practical ways that can help us to be his witnesses. Number one is this. Pray for people to be open and for divine appointments. Pray for people to be open and for divine appointments. 
This is why I believe prayer has to be a part of any evangelism. Prayer has to be a part of sharing our faith. Pray for people. In fact, I think it was Eddie Fox or George Morris in their faith sharing training that they said that if you pray, if you talk to God about a person enough, then you will soon be talking to that person about God. If you talk to God about a person enough, then you will soon be talking to that person about God. In other words, God will open up those opportunities for you to talk to people. Now, we need to pray that God helps folks be open because, you see, this world today and the enemy today has blinded us to the gospel. He's blinded people from what God wants to do in their life. He's blinded. Look, look at what it, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says this, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, the folks that they just don't see it and, and whose mind the God of this age, talking about God with a little g, little g God, the God of this age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. In other words, he's saying for folks that don't believe, it's kind of like a veil has been placed over their eyes, that the God of this world, in other words, the enemy has placed this veil over their eyes, don't see why they need it, don't see how they need it or who they need or anything like that. And I I think we've all been at that place at different times in our lives, that we just kind of, we're blinded by something, whether it's by another relationship, whether it's by a job, whether it's by different things we can just be blinded and and listen what he's saying here when we pray it lifts the veil it lifts the veil the power of God lifts the veil from their eyes so that they can see so that we can see and it also when we pray for folks it creates opportunity for divine appointments listen throughout the Bible we see divine appointments especially in the book of Acts we see the church spread through divine appointments. I remember, uh, you know, right there at the beginning of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit falls, uh, Peter preaches, and 3,000 people give their life to Christ and are baptized. I don't know about you, that sounds like a divine appointment, amen? Sounds like revival. And then it, it, in chapter 3, you can go right along and see Peter and John, they're going into the gate called Beautiful, and there's this man that's been laying there, uh, paralyzed for 38 years. He's been laying there for 38 years. And, and he's begging, uh, and they say, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'll give to you. And, and he's healed, and he goes around dancing and, and, and singing and praising God, and, and other people get saved because of it. That's a divine appointment. Not only with many, but with one. It can be either or. And I've seen divine appointments in my own life. That I've seen it before. I walk into a hospital room of a person that was unchurched, and his wife was had been praying for him. And I walk in, and she's about. She says, "Tim, I'm actually on. I'm glad you're here. I'm actually on my way to pick up his prescriptions and all." And 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 I remember I was able to lead him to Christ right there. And God just opened the door, and he was ready to talk about it and all of that. And all I had to do was show up and be there. Praying for people for divine appointments. And that's what we should be looking for and praying for. Uh, Greg Laurie, he's, he's an evangelist, does crusades and everything, and pastors Harvest Fellowship Church and, and um, uh, Harvest Christian Fellowship. And he, he said that one night they were at a restaurant and 
at the end of the meal, he went to the bathroom. And you know how guys, they go to the bathroom by themselves. You know what I'm saying? Now, now women, it's like threes or fours or twos, at least twos. You know, oh, yeah, I'm going to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. What y'all do, I don't know. But anyway, the, uh, but, but he said, but he went to the bathroom by himself. He said, he said, I went into the stall, and I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, the person in the stall next to me said, hello. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, hello. And uh, the guy said, are you the one I'm supposed to meet? And he was like, you know, preacher in the bathroom meeting, that is not a good thing. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, what were you going to meet somebody for? And, um, and he, he said, you know, some drugs. And he said, well, I don't have any drugs, but I do have something I'll share with you that's much better than drugs. The guy said, what's that? He said, Jesus. And the guy said, well, I've tried Jesus. I used to go to a church. I used to go to church. Pastor Greg said, well, what church did you go to? The guy said, Harvest Christian Fellowship. <laughs> pastor Greg said, well, I'm the pastor. I'm Pastor Greg Laurie, and I'm the pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship. All of a sudden, after some silence, the guy said, oh, my Lord. <laughs> he said, I tell you what, let's meet outside, and, and um, let's continue this conversation outside. And, and so they did, and he said that he got outside. He said, I want to tell you something. Can you believe just how much God loves you that he sent your pastor to a bathroom stall to mess up your drug deal? He said, he, he said, I led that guy to rededicate his life to Christ. He said he started coming back to church and got involved in church. But you're talking about a divine appointment. And folks, if God can lead somebody back to Jesus in a bathroom stall when he's trying to make a drug bust, he can create some divine appointments for you and me. Amen? And we just have to pray for that to happen. Number two is this. Show up and pay attention. That's what uh, part of it. Pastor Kim talked about our presence. We are to be salt and light. And presence means showing up. And listen, presence means uh, Dr. Bob Tuttle. He was an evangelism professor. I got to sit in a uh, class with him one time. And he says this over and over. 95% of evangelism is showing up and paying attention. Because God is constantly putting people in our lives and he's just waiting for us to see the opportunity to share Christ or to introduce somebody to Jesus Christ or to invite them to church or to invite them to Wednesday night supper or whatever it may be. God is truly doing that. And I've seen it in my own life where I just showed up. When, and now here's the thing. You have to stop long enough to pay attention. You have to stop long enough to look and to see where God's working and that, that, that person, oh, I ran into that person three times in one day. Maybe God wants you to talk to them, amen? Maybe God wants you to witness to them or, or, or a business thing that continues and that person just continues and maybe God is showing, help, wanting you to just show up and pay attention. And maybe it's at a coffee shop, maybe it's at the grocery store, maybe it's at the church office, maybe it's at a doctor's office, maybe it's at a ball game. You just happen to keep sitting beside the same person uh, over and over and over. God may be making a divine appointment. It's time to show up and pay attention. And so I think sometimes we just have to realize and just have to trust God and show up and pay attention. Number three is this. Listen for the pain. Everybody has some pain. And oftentimes, I think where we've messed up witnessing is that we are so, we're so ready to just tell them about it or to win, win them over or something like that, that we forget to listen to where the pain is in people's lives. 
And you saw that with Jesus. Jesus always, he met people right where they were. He listened for the pain. He, he I, I mean, now listen, whenever he ended up telling them, I mean, he ended up telling them, and it was grace and truth that he used. You know, he didn't sugarcoat it or whatever. But he listened to the pain. And just like prayer is a two-way conversation, I believe witnessing is a two-way conversation. That it's a dialogue, not a monologue. It's listening for where that pain may be. And, and we Christians, we love doing the talking when sometimes we just simply need to be doing the listening. Listen to where somebody's hurting. Listen to where there may be somebody who's searching. There may be somebody who's doubting. There may be somebody that's living in what would be considered a living hell, and, and we don't even take time to realize that. Or, or maybe it's a marriage that's falling apart or different things. Listen for the pain. And it oftentimes will open opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Number four, tell your story because it's your testimony. And there's power in the testimony. And every one of us have a story. I, I think somewhere along the line, we've forgotten how powerful the testimony is. Listen, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says this, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Look at where victory came. Victory came at the word of their testimony. In other words, when we tell others about what Jesus has done for us, and, and listen, uh, there's a couple of things about testimony you need to understand. Testimony, our, our story, it doesn't have to be big and dramatic. I think somewhere along the way we thought that, you know, a testimony has to be this incredible, like, like you're living this terrible, terrible life and, and all of this, and then Jesus works in your life, and then it's so much better. Of course, I've heard some people glorify the part of the terrible life so much. It's like, oh, I was doing this, and I was doing this, and I was doing this, having a great time, and doing this, and this, and then Jesus came into my life, and now I'm a follower of Jesus. That ain't how it should be. No, no, he changed it. He turned us around. And so testimony, your story is good news. And, and, and the other thing about it, make your testimony concise. I, I, I've, I've heard testimony, you, you've seen testimonies before, maybe heard testimonies before. It's like 25 minutes in and they're just at the fourth grade. You know what I'm talking about? Like when I was a fourth grader, it was this time I threw up. And I, you know, or whatever, uh, and, and stuff. I don't know why I used to throw up. But anyway, the, uh, but, but the testimony, the testimony, make it concise. Just tell your story, what God's done for you. And let, let me tell you something. You may not think it's a big thing, but it may be the very thing that somebody else is going through that your story can speak to. Your story, there's power in your testimony, and somebody needs to hear it. And that's the thing about a testimony. Your story, it's not talking about, it's not beating somebody over the head with the Bible. It's not twisting their arm. It's simply telling what God has done for you. And then last, we then allow God's Spirit to work in the person's life. Allow God's Spirit to work in the person's life. This is why Jesus told his disciples that you're not on your own with this. In fact, you know, in Matthew's version, he, he calls it the, we call it the great commission because that prefix co, it's not just the great mission. That prefix co, it means with, W-I-T-H. In other words, he's doing it with us. We're doing it together with him. And then in Luke, he tells them right after he says, you are to be my witness, look at what he says there in verse 29. 
He says, now behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit, by the way. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. In other words, I'm going to give you some help. You're not alone in this. The Holy Spirit will come and He will do the persuading. That's why we're called to be a witness. Tell what we've seen and heard. The Holy Spirit will do the persuading. The Holy Spirit will do the drawing. The Holy Spirit will work in the lives of people. Look at John 16, 8, when he's promising about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, and when he, the Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You hear that? That's not our job to convict. God's Spirit will do that. We just tell what we've seen and heard. See, here's the thing. A lot of times, folks don't even realize they're in need of a Savior. Folks don't even realize they're in need of some help. This past, uh, uh, or, or one, not this past week, but the week before that, of course, we were, I was on vacation and, um, and had gone to Punta Cana uh, in Dominican Republic. And thank the Lord, I tested negative before coming home or I'd still be there now. And, um, you know, we were in a nice resort, but I don't know what happens if you tested positive. I'd probably be on the other side of town or something, but I don't know. But, but thank the Lord, it didn't. But, you know, now I was going, I was planning on just sitting by the pool, taking it easy and all. Well, this resort, they had some activities folks. And the activities folks were there to get the guests all involved and, and things. And so, like, the first day that we were there, uh, first full day, they came around. And there, there was this kind of what uh, one of the activities guys we all kind of got close to. His name was Mr. Spicy. And, and Mr. Spicy, in fact, he even had a tattoo that said Mr. Spicy on it there. But that was his name. I, and, and Mr. Spicy. But anyway, they get us involved in everything. And first day that we're there, we end up playing beach volleyball. I mean, it's, it, feel, it was feeling like it was 90-something degrees, sweat everywhere, uh, sunscreen running in my eyes, burning, sand everywhere. I'm not a big fan of sand anyway, especially not diving in it and stuff like that. And then we lose the first two games. That was, thank the Lord, we we won the second, the, the last one. But anyway, so that was one day. Then there was another day that that we ended up playing water polo. And 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 here's a little picture of me and Cameron Edwards uh, with with our speedo hats on, and uh, we had regular bathing suits on. Don't worry. But anyway, the um, uh, but but and you you can take that off now. But anyway, the uh, but but. We did that, and then on the last day, there was another contest, and, I, and they had seats that were lined up up there on the um, side of the pool, and they said, we need some uh, men that will volunteer, and so I thought it was like a guessing game or something like that. Since there were seats, I was like, well, at least it's not going to uh, you know, be any kind of physical activity, hopefully, because I was wore out. But anyway, um, it ended up being a swimming competition. I mean, I'm not even, I mean, I can dog paddle, but I ain't much of a swimmer. And, and, um, and, and so, so uh, we got up there, and, and Cameron went first. He did good, except for he swam the wrong way one time. But anyway, the, um, but, but he, he did really good. And so I jump in, and you had to swim, like, across this pool and give Mr. Spicy a high five and then swim all the way back. And they were timing you. 
and it was like the DJ was, you know, uh, talking while you're doing it and everything. And so I dive in, I mean, I, or I get down there and I do a push off the wall because I'd seen that on some show and, and, uh, or on the Olympics or something. But anyway, I pushed off the wall and did good and, and swam really good. And I heard the DJ saying, oh, this guy knows what he's doing and he's doing well and everything. So I swam hard as I could all the way. He gave Mr. Spicy the high five, do a little turnaround. And when I start back, the problem was I did not pace myself, all right? And all of a sudden, when I started back, I thought my heart was failing. And so I get about halfway back, and I decide, you know what? I'm going to just swim underwater a little bit. And when I went under, I must have drunk a lot of water because I'm not sure. Next thing I know, and I mean, the, it was only about this high, so all I had to do was stand up. But next thing I know, the guy throws in the lifesaver, the life preserver. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow. And anyway, so I grab it and I swim on. But anyway, let me just say, I was like last out of all these folks. And a bunch of them were 20-somethings. But anyway, they, um, me and Cameron were doing good. But here's the thing. You know, I didn't even realize that I needed that lifesaver. And I'm still not sure that I did. But <laughs> folks, that's how it is. A lot of times, folks don't even realize that they need the Lord. Sometimes they don't realize, especially, that they need a lifesaver, much less a soul saver. And so we're, we're there to tell them, but when we leave it to the Holy Spirit to do the convincing and the persuading. So my question this morning is, as we remember God's salvation plan through communion, who is your friend? Not friend. I know my accent made them all sound the same, but friend. Who's your friend? Who's the friends? And that's an acronym for friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. Who are the friends? Who are the relatives? Who are the associates and the neighbors that you know who need to know Jesus? And they may not even realize it yet but that God may be calling you to be a witness too. I think we can all think of somebody. I bet, somebody, I, I bet somebody's already come to your mind, somebody that, that you know. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, is putting that person on your heart. Who is it that you just need to show up, pay attention, listen to the pain, tell your story to, and pray for God to open the door? This morning, I pray that that will be who we are, that that will be just a side effect of what we're called to do and who we're called to be. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we pray that you will move in our hearts and our lives. Lord, that you will just open the door for those people that you want to use us to be a witness to. Lord, not that we'll twist their arm, not that we'll beat them across the head with the Bible, but just, Lord, that you will just make divine appointments that you'll put them on our hearts today that we'll be your witness. Now, Lord, as we share in this holy meal, maybe some of us here need to understand that we can't share what we do not have, and maybe we need to make a recommitment to Christ. Maybe we need to say yes again to someone, I mean to you. Maybe we need to say yes to you and just ask you to 
forgive us of our sins and, and to recommit our life to you, Lord, and that you'll just work in us to be that witness that you've called us to be. And if that's any of us this morning, Lord, that we'll just right now in the silence of our hearts say yes. Now, Lord, help us to go. Help us to do and help us to be the witnesses that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table who all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, God we, we confess, confess that, that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory, Glory to, to God. God. Amen. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he and his disciples gathered together in the upper room, and he took bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to them after he blessed it, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Take, eat. And as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave it to his disciples after blessing it and said, This is my blood that is shed for you for the remission of your sins. Take, drink of this, and as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for these gifts of bread and juice, Lord, not only on this table, but in the hands of all who are in this congregation this morning. And we pray now that you make them be for us spiritually, your body and your blood, that we will actively remember these great acts of salvation that was done for us so that we can be your witnesses. Now, Lord, pour out your spirit on them. Lord, may they be the body and blood of Christ so that we may be the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry and mission to all the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen.